began. I want to encourage you, if you were not able to watch Friday night prayer night, that was this past Friday night, October the 30th. If you have an hour, I want you to go back and watch it. It was an incredible time of prayer. I even gave some instructions about how do Christians respond to this whole election season. It was not dealing with political candidates. It's dealing with kingdom values and what does that look like, things we need to pray for and look for. So I encourage you to go back. It's available on YouTube. It's available on uh, Facebook. You can go back and get it. Also, I wanted you to know something. I'm voting this year. I'm not only voting in a presidential election, but I'm really casting my vote. You know who I'm voting for? I'm voting for you. I'm voting for you. I believe 2021 is going to be the greatest year in your life. You say, Bishop, I don't know how you say that coming out of 2021. I say that because I know who's already in 2021. He's Jehovah Shammah. He's the Lord who's already there. And I believe he's calling us from the future to say, come with expectation. Come believing that it's going to be a great year. So I'm casting my vote for the gate church. I'm casting my vote for your family. I'm casting my vote for your personal life. That this is going to be an amazing year for you. I want us to get right in the word. I'm, I want to take a few minutes and teach. I hope you have a, a piece of paper or a pen or a phone or something you can do to take some notes because you're going to want to. I'm going to give you some information very quickly because we just want to move through this. I hope you shared this. Go on there and hit like buttons and hearts and holler amen in the chat line. Do whatever you have to to let people know that you're paying attention and receiving because I want this word to sink deep into your spirit. I believe these next five weeks when we talk about forget not are going to be strategic weeks for every person's life that's watching us today. You know, Psalms 103, verse number three, makes this statement. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Psalms 103, verse number two, sorry. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. That's what, that's what this whole series is built around, that we're going to bless him and we're not going to forget all the benefits of being in relationship with Jesus. Reinhard Bonnke was a friend of mine, and I'll never forget one day when Reinhardt said this. He said, a lot of people are having fits, but we have benefits. So you don't have to throw a fit or have a fit because you have benefits. But we can't forget what those benefits are. We have to know what our benefits are. And so what we're going to do is we're, we're going to take five different psalms, passages in the psalms, that are written by real people that had real problems in real adverse times and found real breakthroughs. So that means that we're going to pull ancient truth into a present reality. That sounds a little bit about like what Jesus said. Jesus said that prophets take from the old and from the new, and they give a word that causes your life to be changed. So today, here's where we're going to turn. Get your Bibles, get your phones, whatever device you're using, turn to Psalms chapter 16. Psalms chapter 16. I'm going to read the entire psalm, and then we're going to quickly walk through four things that I believe will help you learn how to not forget the path to joy. Beginning in verse number one. Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. O my soul, you have said to the Lord... You are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows will be multiplied for those who hasten after other gods. 
Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor take up their names on my lips. For you, O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance, and you are my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places, and yes, I have a good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who's given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I've set the Lord always before me. And because he's at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad. My glory rejoices. My flesh will also rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. I want you to hear that. You will show me the path of life. For in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures evermore. Think about this. I believe everybody that's watching today. I know everybody on this stage would agree with me. And that is we would all agree that God is a promise keeper. Would we not agree? Would you just say amen to me somehow? God is a promise keeper. In fact, Jeremiah said it this way. He watches over his word to do what? To perform it. In other words, if God said it, he'll do it. Because God is a promise keeper. But at the same time, we often overlook the fact that in many occurrences in our life, his promises have prerequisites. Or what I say, they have provisional aspects. Let me tell you what that means. It means this. It means that God is committed to doing his part, but we have to respond with faith on our part. In other words, God has already said yes. We have to say amen, so be it. It's almost like tag team wrestling. It's like when I feel like I'm in the ring and I don't have anything left. He's just saying, will you reach over the rope and tag me in? Let me come in and help in the middle of your situation. But if you never respond by faith, by asking or looking to me or trusting me, then I can't ever do for you what's the benefits I want to do for you in your life. So all the promises of God are predicated on our following the pathway that he lays out for us. He said, this, David is writing this psalm. In fact, this is one of the psalms that has been so eloquently put together that even some of the greatest preachers historically, people like Spurgeon and other great preachers, called it the psalm of precious secrets. In other words, there are secrets in these 11 verses I just read to you that can literally change your life because it shows you the pathway on how to live how to experience the joy of the Lord, how to, how to find that satisfaction deep inside of you. So here's, here's, here's what he's saying. I want you to learn the pathway. Learn the pathway to joy. How many of you know, come on, let's be honest. How many of you know lots of us have learned the pathway to destruction. We've learned the pathway to mess. We, we know how to get to confusion. But God says, I want to give you a pathway. I want to bring you in the pathway of life. I want to upgrade your life. I want to provide for you something beyond existence or survival. I want you to learn how to live life till it overflows. 
I want to teach you how to be fully alive. I want to teach you how to live in joy. I want to teach you how to live in peace. I want you to teach you how to, teach you how to live in wisdom. I'm going to show you how to experience everything you need in order for you to live life like it overflows. What I realized, listen, 2020, if, if you're watching this in 2024, then you should have remembered 2020. 2020 was one of the most incredible years in history for our nation and for our generation. It'll mark people. Because pandemics hit, confusion hit, civil disruption hit, all kind of things were going on that put people's lives in a tailspin. And as we get to the end of 2020, what we're realizing is that many people are physically safe, but they're emotionally and mentally strained. They're wore out in how they're trying to process the emotion of it all. How long can I be quarantined? How long can I be isolated? How long will I have to hide behind certain masks or things? And I'm not being critical of, of, of that not being necessary. I'm just saying people are emotionally and mentally strained and wore out. So much of our battle is in the realm of our emotions. And Jesus wants you to be emotionally well. He wants you to live with mental wellness and not, not be under the torment and the temptations of the enemy to want to draw back into a dark hole. So that's why today I want to look at this passage and say, what is the path to joy? If Jesus will teach me the path of life, what is the path to joy? Here they are, four things. Write them down. Number one, first thing he says is this. In verse number two, he makes the point. He says, oh, my soul. Remember, he's talking about that emotional realm. Oh, my soul, I will say to the Lord, you are my Lord. You're saying, what does that mean, Bishop? If you notice in most translations, the first Lord, L-O-R-D, is all capitals. L-O-R-D. I will say to the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, you are my Lord. The second Lord is just the first letters capitalized and the rest of them are lowercase. That's because they're two different words. David is saying this. The first Lord is the word Jehovah. Yahweh. It's the self-existent God who has the capacity to make covenants that are never broken. In fact, all the way through the Old Testament, when, when God talked about covenant, he used Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rophe, Jehovah Shalom, because what he's saying is, I'm making the covenant and I can't lie. So it's the self-existent. He doesn't need anybody to prop him up. Nobody voted him in. Nobody can vote him out. He's God whether you believe he's God or not. In other words, he's saying, I'm not dependent on public approval to be God. He's the one who controls all the universe. He's the one that's in charge of everything you see. But watch this. The writer is saying, I will say to the self-existent, highly exalted above every other God, God, I will say to him, you are my God. You're my Lord. The second word, Lord, there is Adonai. It means you're my master. You're my owner. You're the one who has rights of sovereignty over my life. My life is not my own. And literally the psalmist is saying this, God, whether other people want to believe in you or not, that's up to them. But I choose to believe that the God who sits in the heavens, it's above every other God, is personal enough to be involved in my life and the source of my joy 
is not anything around me. The source of my joy is the one I've put my trust in who literally is on the inside of me. So he's saying the benefit of enjoying the path to life, the benefit of enjoying the path to joy comes by you recognizing your divine source. The divine source of your joy is when you say to the God of heaven, you're my God. You're my God. That's what Jesus did in Matthew 16 when he turned around to his disciples and they were all talking about who he was. They said, Jesus, we don't know who you are. You might be Elijah. Or you might be Isaiah. You could be one of the prophets. Who are you? And Jesus changed the question. He, said, he, didn't, he quit asking them, who do men say that I am? And he asked them the question, who do you say that I am? Because, see, I can't do benefits in your life if you only let me be God to your mama, your husband, your wife. i got to be that to you. Let me be that to you. Somebody's watching me right now, and you've been hijacking, and you've been, you, you've been catching a ride off somebody else's faith. But it's time for you today to say, Jesus, you're the source of my life. I'm going to say to the Lord, who is above all, you are my God. You are my Lord. Then he says this. He says, you know what? The saints of the earth, they're incredible people. He said, but there are also people on the earth who have chosen not to make God their God. He said, those are not going to be the people who get my attention. Would you stop worrying about all people that you think are working evil and just concentrate on the fact that you have a source of joy? Would you quit waiting on the world to get in order so you can be happy? Because that's never going to happen. But here's what you can say. is in the midst of everything. There are people that are going to be saints. They're excellent ones. There's people that's going to be running after other gods. I'm going to let them be who they are. I'm not going to put them on my lips. I'm not going to spend half of my day talking about, did you hear? Did you hear what so-and-so? It doesn't matter. The source of my joy is not them. It's not a movie star, not a rapper. It's not somebody that gets in alignment with me. The source of my joy is, the, is Jesus, who's the Lord of my life. Second thing he said was this. He said, not only is he my divine source, but he's my divine sovereignty. He's my divine sovereign one. Because watch what he says. He says, you, let me, let me read this to you. Here's what he said. You are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. My lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. That's so poignant. It's so full of life. He said, you are the portion of my inheritance and you are my cup. Let me tell you what that means. He says, when I've been allotted things, portion. The word portion there is the word manna. It literally is the same thing. It almost happened in the book. of. It's like what happened in the book of Exodus. When, when God appointed out to every family. Remember they'd come out in the morning and in their, in their tent space was everything they needed for that day. God had provided. It fell everywhere. If, if, if Pastor Joy had six people in his house, there's enough manna on the ground for six people. If Ashley was single, there was enough for single man. Whatever it is that you needed, it fell in your house. And here's what the psalmist is saying. God, not only with food for me to eat, but for everything about my life, you provide the daily portion that I need. And you're my cup. The word cup there means something, a container that holds it all together. He said, you are my cup. 
my lines or my lot. It literally was the boundary lines. It's the places that you have marked out for me. My, my lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. And the word pleasant means to be agreeable, beneficial. Now, don't miss this. The reason I say he's your divine sovereign, because hold on to your seat. Sometimes we experience joy because he provides things for us we weren't expecting. And we didn't earn. I need to get some more help. Somebody needs to hit a whole lot more like buttons right there. Because some of the things that we received, we didn't know was coming. God marked them out for us and we bumped into them. Come on, how many of you know? There's some things this week, if you could have just seen what I bumped into, you would. that's why I'm worshiping today because I had no idea God could be that good to me. Because he put a portion in my life that I wasn't even looking for. I got people in this room today, if they could stand up here behind this camera and talk to you, they would tell you how their life was headed to a place called nowhere. And God rearranged their life and let them know, I've apportioned your life. I've marked out a boundary for you. There's a place of sufficiency, and there's a place that's going to be so agreeable and so joyful for you. So, in other words, watch this. You can't say my lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. You can't say my marriage is good. You won't be satisfied with your career. You won't be, you won't be content with your 401K. No dreams will ever be good enough until you first say, you are my cup and you're my portion. In other words, watch this. I don't have to rely on anything else to give me that. I'm trusting you to give me that. You're the joy of my life. So when I recognize that you're my, my, my cup, you are what makes my life good, not what I pursue. Listen. When people ask you, how did you get that? How did you get that blessing? I just have to look at them sometimes and say, I don't know how. I have no idea how this happened. Sometimes I didn't expect it. But God had apportioned it to me. Don't miss this. This is a secret. He did not say, you give me my cup of blessings. Rather, he said, you are my cup. I'm going to say that again. He didn't say, you give me cups of blessings. He says, you are my cup. If we, let me tell you, if we don't get that right, we'll start loving what God gives us more than the God who gave it to us. Let me ask you a question today. Do you get more excited about the promises of God to you or the God who promised them? What makes you more excited? Because when you can answer that question, you'll find out why joy may be present or why it may not be present. Because if your joy is predicated on what it gives you rather than who it is that gives to you, you're looking to a wrong source. Your life can have adversity. It can have difficulties. But God will be your cup. He himself is your cup. He's your portion. Somebody said, what's your inheritance? Jesus. Is that it? That's more than enough. I mean, you know, if you have Jesus, you have everything you need. He's everything to us. So he said, I'm your divine source. I'm your divine sovereignty. Watch this. He said, I'll be your divine counselor. 
Here's what he said. He said, he will give me counsel and my heart will instruct me in the night season. Verse number seven. Watch this. David's not being trivial, trivial here. He's not trying to be trite. He's literally not, he's not, he's not one of them Christians. Please, I don't, I'm not trying to offend you, but he's not one of those Christians that just walks around saying, I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm blessed and highly favored. Everything's working in my pathway. Listen, I realize all that. We positive confession, we speak what we believe. But come on, how many people will be honest with me and say, you know what, Bishop, there's some days that I am stressed and I don't even feel blessed. And there's some days I feel like the world's turned upside down on me and I don't know where I'm going and what I'm going to do. And David was honest enough to say, even though I'm king, even though I've learned how to conquer, I've learned how to win battles, there are times in my life I need God's instruction and I need God's counsel. And he says, particularly I need them in the night seasons. Literally saying, it's when I'm in those alone times when my brain starts talking to me. What you going to do about this? What do you think is going to happen to them kids? What do you think the end of that road is going to be like? And all of a sudden, our peace can get disturbed. Our joy begins to drain away, and we don't know what we're going to do next. Here's what David said. He said, I've recognized because he's the source of my joy. He'll be the sovereign one that allots off territory for me that the enemy can't take from me. And at the same time, he will give me instruction and lead me in the paths that I'm supposed to go. Don't miss this. Sometimes, oh, you got to hear this. Sometimes we find that our path to joy is in our willingness to be obedient to his instruction to his wisdom, to his counsel, to his guidance. Andy Stanley wrote a book a few years ago called The Path, The Principle of the Path, The Principle of the Path. And in that book, they're going to put these words on the screen, but in that book, he, he makes this statement. He said, direction, not intention, determines destination. Direction, not intention determines destination. Do you know what that means? That means I could go out here on, uh, let's, say, let's say we all got together and decided we wanted to go to Dallas. I have a vehicle that can get us to Dallas. I have the ability to, I have the ability to, to drive. I know how to drive. But if I get out here on I-35 and I go north, uh, we, we can ride, we can sing. How many of you know it won't even matter how fervent my prayer life is? I can get glossolalia. I can go E-D-D-I-E. My name is Eddie. And I can begin to say Honda Mitsubishi and all other kind of things. And it won't matter a bit. Because how many of you know it doesn't matter how hard I pray. I can throw money out the window to evangelists as they stand on the side of the road and sow seed. It will not matter because sooner or later I'm going to end up in Kansas. I am not going to end up in Dallas. And the reason is, is not because I don't have the wherewithal and I don't have the ability to get there. It's because I didn't have the proper instruction or I didn't follow the directions that the instructions were given to me and I decided to go my own way. There are people watching me right now. Your joy left your house, not because the enemy took it, but rather because you failed to follow instruction that led to the place of joy. I saw, I saw Dave Ramsey said it this week. He said in this, in this moment of COVID, he said a lot of people believe because I can afford the payment, I can afford it. 
But he said, the truth of the matter is, just because you can afford the payment doesn't mean you can afford it. So you have to be willing to follow instruction. Jesus, I'm going to really get personal. Come on now. How many of you, if you'd have prayed before you got married, if you'd have quit looking at, never mind, all the other stuff and said, Lord, is this the person for me? Why? Because God would have said, inbounds, out of bounds. Should I have taken this job? Well, they were making me $5 more an hour. Yeah, but how many of you know what's your, what's your joy worth? Come on, what's your joy worth? At a 40-hour week, that's 200 bucks. Would you exchange your joy for $200? I wouldn't. My joy is too important to me. It's a source of my strength. So he said, I'm your divine source. I'm your divine sovereign one. I am your divine counselor. You don't have to live by your fickle emotions. How many of you know God does not, God does not discard emotion and feelings? He transcends them. He's higher than them. Because happiness depends on happenings. Joy is internal. Comes from a person. And number four. Here's the fourth thing. He said, I want to let you know I'm your divine conqueror. I'm your divine conqueror. Verse 8 through 10. He talks about the fact I've set the Lord before me. Therefore, I'll not be moved. He said, and I recognize that he will not, he will not leave me in Sheol. And he will not allow his Holy One to suffer decay. This is the only passage, or this is the most repeated passage by writers in the New Testament. Jesus referred to Psalm 16. Peter referred to Psalm 16 on the day of Pentecost. Paul refers to Psalm 16 at various times in his writing. And the reason is, is because it's obvious in Psalm 16 that David is not saying, God won't abandon me to Sheol. Let me tell you what Sheol is. Sheol's the grave. It's the grave. It's the place of departed spirits. It's the grave. He said, you won't abandon me to the grave and you won't allow your Holy One to suffer decay or corruption. Well, we know David died. They put him in a tomb. His bones are still there because David did decay. So he wasn't writing about himself. Who was he writing about? He was writing about the day coming when there would be a holy one, the righteous one, the son of God, who would come, watch this, he would come and he would overcome every enemy, every enemy, and particularly every place of decay and every place of death. Don't miss what I'm about to say. Because he got up, there's not a place that death is at work in your life that he can't answer. My joy is awakened when I remember the fact that he took all my sin, all my pain, all my shame, everything that condemns me. He took it all at the cross and he lifted me up with him. When he was, when he was raised up, I got up. I'm talking to somebody today. You need to recognize something. You don't serve a defeated king. You serve a very victorious king. 
And because you have a divine conqueror, you can stare trouble in the face and say, you know what? You're not going to get my joy. I may have lost a lot of things, but I'm not going to lose my joy because I recognize Jesus has conquered. The Holy One has conquered. He is not in decay and he's not in corruption. So guess what? Everywhere decay is working in my life. If it's working in your kids, he can conquer it. If it's working in your physical life, he can conquer it. If it's working in your mind, he can conquer it. If it's working in your emotions, he can conquer it. Every place decay and corruption is trying to overtake your life. Jesus said, I broke the power of death. So let your joy come back. As we get ready to sing today and as we get ready to close, let me close with this story. Nehemiah chapter 8, Nehemiah is standing up to talk to people who are coming back to try to recover and restore ruins, literally ruins. I know there's a lot of concern about America, but let me just say this to you. Do you realize Israel had been conquered by everybody? The Egyptians conquered them. The Philistines conquered them. The Babylonians conquered them. The Persians conquered them. The Romans conquered them. They've been conquered by everybody. And at this moment in Nehemiah chapter 8, Nehemiah stands up to this people. They'd lost their nation. They'd lost their temple. They had lost the scriptures. They had absolutely no reason to be joyful. And Nehemiah said, somebody, somebody was looking around and they found the book. They found the scrolls in the Old Testament. They found the scrolls, but they found the promises of God. He's a promise keeper. They found the promises of God, and the Bible says they begin to read them out loud. And as they read God's promise and God's intention for them, the pathway to life and the pathway to joy, as they read them out loud, the Bible says the people begin to weep. And, and Nehemiah said, oh, stop, stop, stop. Stop. I say to you today, stop. Nehemiah said, this is not a day for weeping. This is a day for rejoicing. I realize you feel like you lost stuff. You had a promise. It's never come to pass. I'm waiting for change to come. I keep waiting and waiting and waiting. And I want to weep and cry. And Nehemiah is saying, the temple's not restored. The city's not back in order. But it's not a time to weep. He said, it is a time to rejoice. He said, the reason it's a time to rejoice is because you have the promise of a conquering king that there is going to be a day that he is going to restore and put everything in its proper order. You can trust him to do what he said. And he said to them, it's time to celebrate his goodness. It's time to let joy come back in your life. In November of 2020, we've had enough pressure. We've had enough bad news. We've had enough of anxiety. We've had enough depression. We've had enough pressures. Why don't we just stand and just declare, you know what? I'm going to rejoice over your goodness. You're a good, good God. There's nobody like you. Maybe what I need to do is I need to throw a party. See, somewhere along the line, we've been lied to. Somebody told us that if something was to be sacred, it had to be sorrowful. But I want to say to you today, the most sacred thing you could do is have a party today. Throw a party, celebrate, bake a cake, invite somebody over, get some potato chips and Pepsi, and bring them to your house and say, we're going to celebrate today the goodness of God. If they ask you, what did you, did you win the lottery? Just tell them, no, in fact, I lost my job. But I know there's a conquering king who has appointed out for me territory that the enemy can't take from me. 
and he's the source of my joy and I choose today. So Nehemiah said to them, don't weep, rejoice for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Somebody that ain't need to hear that. The joy of, your, of the Lord is your strength because he holds your destiny in his hands. I want to pray. We're going to sing. He holds it all together, every bit of it. That's why you can have joy today. Every bit of it. Father, I pray right now. Don't leave. Don't, don't, don't leave. I'm not finished. Don't leave. Father, I pray that right now joy would spring up. I pray that as we find this path to joy, we'd recognize you're our source. You're the sovereign one. You're our counsel. And you're our conqueror. And we rejoice in that. In Jesus' name. In just a moment, I'm going to speak a word of release over people that are experiencing depression, anxiety, weeping. But I don't want to sing this song just through one time. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to declare that. We're going to give you an opportunity to give today. I hope that sometime during this service you've gone online, you've just done your regular giving. If not, I'll give you a chance at the end to make sure you sow your seed today. How do people know we're people who are followers of Jesus? It's because we demonstrate joy in sacred spaces of our life, even when there's no visible reason to be a joy. That's what makes you different. That's what makes you a Christian, a Christ follower. Come on, let's sing. Promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. Still in your hands. This is my right now in the name of Jesus over people that are watching us. Whatever it is that you want prayer for, just put it in the chat line. Some of our people are going to respond to you. We want to pray for you personally. But I'm declaring today, depression has to leave your house. Anxiety has to release itself from your life. 
The peace of God is going to fill your heart and your life. I declare now that all of those low places you've been living in, joy is springing up because Jesus is the source of your joy. I'm declaring now in the name of the Lord that you're going to find a pathway to joy. You're going to trust him as your source. You're going to recognize that he has appointed a territory for you that nobody can take. You don't have to look over the fence at somebody else's blessing because your blessing is yours. It's come to you. It's your place that God has allotted for you. I declare today that by your wisdom, by your counsel, we'll experience the joy of the Lord, Father. Thank you for that. Lord, I bless people today. I declare resurrection life is coming alive to you today. If you don't know Jesus personally, if he's never been the source of your life, you've never invited him to be my, my Lord. I recognize he's the Lord of all the earth, but he's not been my Lord. I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I recognize you're the son of God. I invite you to come into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. I receive you now. In your name I pray. Amen.